It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. All right, welcome back. This is Inside Sources. I'm Ethan Millard filling in today. Thanks so much for listening to KSL's radio this afternoon. Boy, we've covered a lot today. I mean, just a ton from from Biden and Putin to uh, to uh, Pearl Harbor to climate change. We're going to shift gears dramatically again. I don't know. Maybe you can hear the gears grinding in the show. <laughs> Moving over to something else. And, you know... Let's face it, America, we've had a great run. Some people say we're going to give up our position as the number one country in the world. Never in our hearts, right? But by math, we might be giving it up. That's what some say. That would be one thing to give it up to a country that was cool, like Canada, right? Have Canada, give Canada a turn at the top. That's cool. They're cool, right? But no, we might get replaced by communist China. So what's that going to do to the world? Well, that's what we're going to talk about right now. Ian Johnson is a senior fellow for China Studies at the Council on Foreign Relations. He joins us right now. And, Ian, I want to start with Chinese President Xi Jinping. His his second term's almost up. That should be it. But it looks like he's pulled a Vladimir Putin on everyone. Is this just, is the job of president there in China, is that just Xi Jinping's job for as long as he wants it? Can he be president for life there now? That's the way it looks like right now. Uh, he lifted term limits, which they had. And so this hasn't, of course, happened yet. It'll happen next year. But every sign is that he's going to stay on for a third term. And then after that, who knows? Um, I think it's just a question of his health. But there's no successor in sight. Nobody's been appointed or anointed. And so it's it seems like it's just up to him and and we'll see what you know what he wants but he seems to want that job for life why why would what what's motivating the chinese people to go along with this and the other chinese communist party leaders to go along with this well of course people don't have a say in china there's no no elections and, and so on of uh, the party but i have to say though he is a fairly popular figure um he has um, cut down on corruption, which was a real problem in China. He has um, has a you know strong image, a bit like Putin. You know, the, you know, Putin is the guy who wrestles with tigers and rides around in a tank without a shirt on and stuff like that. I mean, Xi Jinping doesn't do that, but he is a sort of a, a strong, effective-looking leader, uh, and he, from, from most people's point of view, has done a pretty good job. He's got a new policy now to spread the wealth among the people so there's more fairness because there's a big gap between rich and poor in China. And so there's that, that side of it. And I think in the Communist Party, he's eliminated most opponents. He's had a 
this anti-corruption campaign, it did go after corrupt officials, but coincidentally or not, it also went against his opponents. And so there aren't a lot of people who could stand up to China or to, to Xi Jinping. I think it's typical in these authoritarian states like that, that you have the guy like a tree that has clear-cut everything around him, and there's nobody else of his stature left in the party. So that means there's no opponent, but it also means that if he's to go or to go one day, get ill, die, we all die, um, that there's no clear succession in, in line. Well, this is uh, China's ascension is obviously stressing out the United States a lot. Both parties across the board, everyone's worried about this. Uh, Biden announced a diplomatic boycott of the Olympics where no officials are going to the Olympics, but we will send athletes. This is a protest. Do you think China's leadership even cares about that? What's their reaction been so far? Well, I do think they care about it. Um, you know, the, the Olympics, of course, it's a great sporting event. You see these wonderful athletes. But for the countries that spend all that money to host it, it's also like a big advertising campaign. And here we are, a beautiful city, and we're showing it off and all this sort of stuff, right? And so it is a big deal. When, when, when your guests don't want to come, um, it's a slap in the face. Now, of course, they're saying, well, we don't want people to come anyway because of COVID. So uh, it doesn't matter what you what you were going to do. But no, they're 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 clearly angry, and we can expect some kind of similar symbolic retaliation. But you know, it's it's just another sign that relations between not just the United States but almost any other Western country or or, or democracy and China are at all time lows right now across mm -hmm. the board. Um, one of the things that uh, people worry about also is Taiwan and. Uh, you know, we obviously we're a defender of Taiwan or an ally of Taiwan. Um, but a lot of people and I know you've heard this, but a lot, a lot of people here in the U.S. kind of feel like whether it's Taiwan or something else with with China growing the way they are, we're almost fated to eventually fight them directly. It's a commonly held viewpoint. Do you do you think it's correct? Yeah. Are, are we on that kind of a path? I don't think war with Taiwan or around Taiwan, or um, I don't think it's inevitable. Um, I think it could happen. I think the best thing, just like in the Cold War against the Soviet Union, the best thing to avoid a war is to show that we could win a war, and, and we would be there to defend Taiwan, to show, make, make that as clear as possible without provoking China, encourage Taiwan to strengthen its own defenses. Um, Taiwan is, is a democracy. It's a wonderful, open society a lot like our own with a free press but it, it has a lot of a lot like our own country it has a lot of divisions a lot of people who want to spend more on defense people who want to spend less on defense and taiwan could really upgrade its military and it's, it's doing so but it, it needs to step that up and i think if it does that and we and and, and other western or other countries in the region also say we will defend taiwan that would make it pretty hard for china to win and i i think that win an invasion right and so i think uh -huh. in that case um, they might not invade. So the best thing would be to sort of would be deterrence. I mean, yeah. that's worked well in the past, and I, I think it can work well again in the future. Yeah. All right. Uh, Ian Johnson, Senior Fellow for China Studies at the Council on Foreign Relations. Ian, this has been so fascinating. Thanks so much for spending time with us today. It was my pleasure. All right. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, Governor Cox has released his budget idea for 2022. But of course, as you know, because I know you listen to KSL, that means you're educated on current events and politics. You know that the budget's not really up to Governor Cox. It's kind of up to Governor Cox. 
Uh, we're going to talk to uh, Senate. Pre- well, we're going to hear from Senate President Stuart Adams up next to discuss what the legislature's priorities are. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.